Welcome back, fam, to the limelight. And uh, I think I'm going to start doing these intros more often uh, because I kind of want to start giving rundowns with the guests that I'm bringing on. Um, sometimes it depends. Maybe I'll still do the one-off intro while they're on um, the call when we do the interview. So I think it's just going to depend on the situation. But for this uh, episode specifically with Greg Diamond, I want to kind of give you like an insight to like what we talk about um, and what he's up to and what we really, you know, start discussing more so with his profession. And a little bit about Greg. Greg is a promoter, a drummer, touring musician. I mean, he's been doing it all for quite some time. Um, I kind of got into a deep dive with how he started off promoting shows um, when he was just a teenager. We go over his whole timeline with him being in like Moss to Flames, which is a metalcore band uh, that he was a huge part of that he is no longer with. And we actually talk a bit, a little bit about that too, uh, as well as, uh, him being a promoter, um, in New Jersey, um, mostly specifically Asbury park, New Jersey with, uh, with house of independence. Uh, we actually played a show there recently with the local bands, uh, the ones you forgot pop Alma, uh, with sales ahead. And, um, Greg promoted that show. Greg put that show on. So I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but he's been absolutely killing it in the scene in New Jersey with these shows. Like he's put on shows with Anthony Green, which we talk about. He's put shows on um, with Lorna Shore. All of them selling out, by the way. Like the dude just knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, we talk about like why he left like Moss of Flames to pursue promoting a little bit more. And not only that, I don't know if anybody remembers this and you're going to find out though. He used to be the drummer and is now still currently the drummer for the Air I Breathe. Uh, they released an album back in 2011, which was called Great Faith and Fools off of Rise Records. And um, that actually was it <laughs> for the band for a long time. And they just released a single called Nothing Feels Sound, which I'm going to play for you because they're not signed. So I don't have a good copyright strike. However, they released that single recently over the summer of 2021. And uh, they are going to be releasing more music in the near future. We talk about that as well. Um, yeah, so he he is partnering up with and he's working for Contra Crave as well. Uh, as well as a video official, which is like a distribution distro kid for music and such. We get all into that and everything. Um, but I want you to check out this song, Nothing Feels Sound. Um, hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, he's a really great dude. I'm so happy we have someone like him in the scene. And uh, couldn't couldn't be more thankful to building more relationships like this, like over the time that I've been doing this podcast. So, Greg, you're listening, you're watching. Thank you, dude. This was a good, good conversation.
welcome to the podcast i appreciate you coming by greg um how did the citizen show go by the way we didn't really discuss that so yeah so really well sold out and stuff which um you know is great especially that the climate that we're in more so you're fighting more so than like uh you know, the always things it's like, oh, there's so many shows going on, so many things in the market, there's blah, 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 or whatever. But, um, you know, it's just like a different animal right now. But yeah, that band is just kind of like uh, always been very consistent and always just, uh, I don't know, I feel like they just have such a solid foundation and such like a, you know, expansive fan base that it's like no matter what, they're going to come and it's either going to sell out or it's going to get closed. So that was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. And they just, I don't know if they've played because a lot of these bands, you know, they've been off for what, two years, year and a half, if this is their first tour back. So it's really, you, you definitely feel that too, which is important. You know? and, st- and standing on the outside looking at it for me, because I don't tour full time, I was like, obviously everybody's going to go on the road at the same time in a sense when we can't get the green light. So I was like kind of worried about the competition, like not only for the bands, but like for the professionals behind the scenes, like you and everybody else that promote and book and manage and et cetera. Like, has that been concerning at all when you're go ahead, like promoting these shows and such at house of independence? Um, I mean, it was kind of one of those things that it was like, you know, earlier this year, you know, vaccines rolled out, people started to get more comfortable and stuff. So you're like, this is going to go one of two ways. This is either going to be like, nobody's ready or everybody's ready. So, Mm. You know, the first show I did back was Anthony Green and, uh, you know, we did it on 10 days notice. We announced it and it sold out and it was just like, uh, I felt, I felt almost like we were getting into like some type of like renaissance of live music. Like we just, you know, like everything's back, everything's going, we're happy. It's the summer on the beach. Like, and then every show after that, just everything that went on sale was just like doing a million times better than it in my opinion, would have done, you know, and whether that's, you know, the artists or whatever, just kind of the resurgence of everything coming back. So it felt really good. You know, things got really hot and, you know, they moved really well and stuff. And then it kind of, you know, end of August into September, everything, you know, when like Delta came out and then, you know, the bigger corpse, Live Nations and AGs and everybody else kind of once all the Vax policies rolled in, everything started to get a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of like, little stagnant or kind of like, you know, dived off depending on the genre, dove off, dive or whatever the uh, proper English term is there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like now it's kind of like hit or miss, but you know, with everything still going on, it kind of depends on your area. But um, yeah, we're definitely in uh, uncharted waters over here this year. It's definitely (laughs) uh, something we'll look back on. I feel like in five, 10 years and, you know, talk about it and talk about how did you go through this? How did you deal with, you know, literally the rug getting pulled out from underneath an entire movement, an entire, you know, not even like career path, but entire world of things, the live music industry really. So, um, yeah, but I'm glad we're, uh, I'm glad we're back. You know, dude, seriously. Yeah. It's been fucking brutal, man. And like, like I said, like I don't tour full time, but I have so many friends like yourself and like everybody out there in the industry who I've talked to on the pod and off and it's like, dude, like, this is their livelihood. This is their full-time career. Like, merchandise is a bread and butter, in a sense, to a lot of these bands, too, that are, like, mid-tier to high-tier still. So it's definitely worrisome, for sure. And I'm sure there was, like, completely new difficulties that, like, kind of started emerging, like, as we started getting back into it. Like, have you seen reoccurring, like, difficulties that you were, like, kind of shocked by, like, from trying to get these shows up and ready to go? Um, Difficulties. Okay, so... <laughs> As being a former touring person, touring band member or whatnot, 
you know, I was just like generally worried because, you know, any tour I've ever done, right, van, bus, whatever that may be, there's always in the first week or the second week, somebody gets sick, whether that's just like congestion or a cold or something like that. And then it immediately, every single person's going to get it. It's going to get passed around. It's kind of yeah, like, dude, that shit's inevitable. it's always going to happen. Something's going to happen. It's normally nothing too wild. So I was always just saying, I'm like, man, like how it's, it shocks me that bands are getting around doing full tours and staying completely safe, completely healthy and stuff like that. Obviously you can take precautions, but it's like, if you're not one of those massive bands, you know, playing like the bigger rooms and the arenas or stuff like that, and you have that level of separation and privacy in certain respects, like it's really impressive to me when bands can really lock it down and stuff. Because it's also in some respects, bands, you know, you're going into different markets and you have friends there that you've seen forever and you haven't seen them in two years, you know, and you've been touring for however long. And every time you go to Nashville or LA, ex friends come out and stuff like that or whatever. And now it's one of those things, you know, every tour has protocols. You can't go out to dinner, you can't do these things and stuff like that. And, you know, that's important because if anybody pops, you know, that's mm. 10 days off the tour. That's, you know, that could really, that's, that's hell. So, um, I'd say to me, that's probably, you know, on the artist side and agent side as well, you know, when they're dealing with this, trying to reschedule or move shows and stuff like that, you know, it's, and everything can change in a couple hours. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that's difficult, but on our side, you know, booking shows, anything, not anything's been like too weird. Obviously, you know, when like the VAC stuff came out, you know, people complain and whatever and cried about it, but people will cry about right. anything. Show oh, literally anything. They'll find a reason to fucking bitch about something. Yeah, people are just babies about a lot of things. So it's like you can only coddle so much. But I guess kind of the only difficulty was just like there'd be some weeks that it's like you're announcing 15 shows because it seemed like everybody had the green light. Some things were out. Everything was going well. So everybody was like, yo, like, let's get these bands back out, which I'm all for. So I'd say kind of that was just like, you know, and a lot of venues don't have staff back and they still don't, you know, because you had to furlough mm -hmm. marketing people, your buyers, your a lot of the, you know, a lot of like your actual day of crews too, your production people and stuff like that. Because without live events for 18 months, it's like, what can you really do, you know? So, um, but I feel like there was general, like a general consensus, like it was an all hands on deck and everybody, you know, it was like a stressful, but it was also like a happy stressful because it's like, this is great. Too many shows, so many shows. Like that's a really, uh, especially now it's a good feeling to have. Yeah, was seriously. And like the crazy thing is too, like everybody's doing their best to stay away from that situation where like if one, so like you were saying, someone pops for COVID, like more than likely it's inevitable that majority of the party on the tour is going to get it. Um, it just happened with uh, Next Deep's tour uh, with uh heart attack man and i think zero nine three six zero nine three six got it first i saw them at uh the uh the franklin music hall because it's not electric factory anymore and uh you know that they didn't say anything on instagram they just showed they just dumped off the show neck deep had to play a longer set and then shortly after you know they're starting to come out on instagram and social media like hey like we test negative, this person tests negative, like, you know, we're going to have to, like, shut down at least a couple of weeks before we can head back on the road and do all the refunds and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, you know, but they're doing their due diligence to stay away from that shit because they just want to tour. Like, that's the obvious yeah. of everything, so. 
Yeah, and it's tough because I go like the bigger tours like that as well, you know, sometimes when there's support bands in a lot of these rooms, you know, like you're put together in certain green rooms, right? So you're coming from your vans and everybody's at, you know, like you're stopping at the gas station, you're coming from the hotel and stuff like that. Then you all get put together, you know, for the day. That's your spot. That's where you can go. You know, you're saying, Em, we're not trying to go to restaurants. We're not going to bars. We're not seeing friends. So it's like you're in the van. <clears throat> or, you know, you're in the green room chilling. So it's like, that's kind of the whole thing about like it's spreading and stuff like that, but also just so easy getting it, you know, even just living life, people get it in all different ways and stuff like that. And it's tough too, because like one person feels sick and then it's like, Oh, well it's just this person. We're going to isolate them. But it's like, is that how it works? Like, so now everybody's like, Oh, well, we all have to like, you know, test negative for X amount of days. And, you know, even three to five shows for a band, you know, that could be a dramatic financial shift, uh, which a lot of people don't understand. And like, that's why, like, it kills me every time, uh, you know, kids on the internet or like, when someone like, I, I've seen it so many times when they're like, oh, you know, due to this or whatnot, due to COVID or whatever, you know, we have to, we won't be appearing on the show. Then you read all the comments like, oh, I drove two hours and, you know, I booked a hotel and stuff like that. It's like, just so it's like it's insane the self-control some bands show without Seriously. just going at people and i get it you're a dedicated fan and stuff like that but like read the room read the climate read the world of what's going on and it's like are you really gonna like lay into these bands or say i've seen such ridiculous comments and stuff like that and it's like you know right now it's like uh you know it's a privilege that we have live music back it's not yeah. a right you don't own it like you don't like these bands are doing a lot like this is an, an insane time to tour and for, you know, multiple reasons, stuff like that. And it's, you know, you got to know that going into it. You don't know what it's going to be like when it gets to you or if the show makes it to you. And if it does and you get a partial lineup or a full lineup, like you should appreciate be appreciated. Yeah. Seriously. Like, do you really think these bands like want to not tour? Like this isn't yeah. their side. Like they want to tour. They're just trying to do everything they can to fucking continue it on. But they're, they're going to have that everywhere. I think, I got a first taste of it too. It was like literally peak pandemic and a lot of the bands that have a good amount of discographies or they were releasing albums in general, like during a pandemic. So like 2020 and someone said on the internet, why are they like dance Gavin dance? Why are they charging $25 for a ticket? That's insane. They should be doing it for free. I'm like, are, you're kidding me, right? Like, come on. Like yeah. how, what else are you supposed to do to get money? Like, and I remember that tour was kind of one of the first ones. Um, I remember seeing a post, it was like, it must have been the middle of March 2020, and like, you know, um, coming from a band that was on Rise, I saw, you know, a couple of the Rise Records guys were out, I think it was Hollywood Bowl or something where that tour started, and it was like a massive thing, obviously the band is huge, and it was like, I don't know if that was like a bucket list venue or like a big, you know, striving venue for them to go to, but it was sold out just like the rest of their tour, you know, of course, rooms or whatnot, and it was like, they all went up and they had to cancel it, like the day of. And it was like, I, I it had that. to be the second or third week of March or something like that. And I was just like, wow, like that. And you know, to like, it's so tough to like explain that to a fan who's like, oh, I spent the $25 or the $30 ticket or something like that. But like at the same time, like you don't understand how devastating that is to the band, the agent, the managers, the crew, the label, like everything, because like that tour started, you know, probably a year before that, nine months before that with the agent booking it and then the management team you know, discussing support and getting all the bands together, you know, agents sending offers, doing negotiations for all the support acts, and then like the management and the marketing teams and the PR teams putting all that all together, and then announcing it five months before it comes mm. out, 
you know, everything leading up to that and stuff like that. Like there's so much work and so many people behind that. And like, it just sucks when people are just like, Oh, this, this, like you're saying like, Oh, they should play. It's just like, you know, like, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here, but it's like, just you can go say whatever the fuck you want. You, it's just like, literally go fuck yourself. Like that's literally, literally. How not being in a band anymore. You know, I feel like <laughs> be a little bit more free about that, but like, it's literally ridiculous to see, um, what people are saying back to these bands and all these different situations and scenarios now it's it's fucked up the amount of effort that everybody is literally pulling behind the scenes and as well as the artists like that are performing these performances like to not have any kind of positive test and to make sure that everything can run smooth has been like probably from what i've been seeing i don't know from experience obviously but like it looks pretty fucking difficult at this point like coming from like the regular situation of setting up shows and promoting and and managing and marketing the whole tour and such like it looks a bit more difficult because i'm sure the one big thing that has to change too is the vips like you still i mean like has have you seen anything um have you been seeing like opportunities for vips where they're trying to make it uh like not so different but like basically like have a distance from the band and such like having them do something acoustic on stage like have you seen anything different for the vip situation of everything um yeah everybody kind of does it a little bit different we've done a couple like different hybrid versions of it so obviously um a lot of the vips like i've been around recently you know everything's masked because everybody you know a lot of these things are our meet and greets or a picture with the band but a lot of these things the bands can knock out ahead of time right like they can sign everything you know you know, 48 hours ahead of time, that's normally when the VIP sale closes, right? So you know how many people right. are coming, you even know their names, the amount, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, you know, you can pre-sign the posters, you can put the packages together, and then, you know, you mask everybody, and if they want to do pictures, if the band's comfortable with it, the fan's comfortable with it, you know, you can somewhat do that at a distance, or even if it's an up, you know, picture, picture, out, you know, the next thing or whatnot. But obviously, I think some bands might have pulled back on it a little bit, or they maybe they're just giving them you know, their full VIP package or whatnot and trying to figure out, or I know some bands do like the acoustic performance. They'll do a couple songs on stage or they'll do a sound check or something like that. So it still provides a little bit of distance and you can kind of do like a Q and a from a little bit of a distance there. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's just something, you know, every week, every city that you're in, depending on the mandate of their laws and the venue too, and the size and the specs of everything, like, you know, shout out the bands and the tour managers that have to constantly, uh, you know, change that and adapt to that as well to make sure that, you know, the fans are accommodated, especially your VIPs that are paying for all that stuff as well coming early, like definitely need to make sure they're, you know, taken care of. Oh yeah, dude, for real. Like, I mean, perfect example is like uh, the one of the last uh, guests I had on here not too long ago was Rory from Dayseeker, and he guest listed me. It was cool as fuck because like, we had a good conversation, and got kind of drunk and trauma bonded. But other than that, like, fucking, um, I was like, dude, would love to see you at the venue. Like, if it's possible, it's like, dude, he's like, it's gonna be so strict. He's like, I would love to see you, but I'm pretty sure 99% of it I'm not gonna be able to, considering like, especially if the guy walks out there and they recognize him, then people are gonna want pictures. It's like god forbid he catches it you know and yeah. he already had it once too like he just got over it not too long ago so he's like nobody's gonna take the risk to fucking get that like they, he's like i probably won't even see the fans like they want to take it to an extreme level where they can just tour on this on this uh what was the rest of it before the pandemic shut the 10 year anniversary down and um yeah and then get on to the next one so which you also booked his uh, or you're promoting his uh, gig right now too, the Sleep Talk, um, yeah. which will be at House of Independence, the Sleep Talk uh, album tour, which, good for them, I'm fucking stoked, it's a great fucking album, I just discovered him this year, 
So it's like, oh, wow. I was like, Jesus Christ, where the fuck? Oh, I call him from Caliber TV, dude. I was like, man, like this band is so fucking underrated, so annoying. Yeah. Like, and now he's getting the whole band's getting the recognition they deserve. So, um, it's crazy. Yeah, dude. Let's like, I want kind of want to take it back though because like, like I said in the intro, like, um, you are the drummer for the air, uh, the air I breathe, um, which you guys came out with a single recently, uh, on in June. Nothing right. feels sound, and it's so funny too because like. I had this segment on TikTok where I was like, "Bands we sincerely miss," and then I had I had one of your songs from the the first album uh, that came out in 2011, and then like two months later, you guys released a single. I was like, "Are was like, what the fuck? Like, did I just uh, did I just put this into like fucking real life right now? Like, did I just speak of the existence that the air I breathe is coming back? Like, that, I'm stoked for you guys. Like, when did this even become like a decision?" To do it. I, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the thought in any world that we could put something together in two months. I wish we could. So this this literally started. Um, so I was living in uh, New York City, uh, and our bass player Colin was living in Hoboken. So it kind of started as like a pandemic project, right? So like we all started. So me, Colin, the bass player, Cam, guitar player, and Tony, the vocalist. So we all kind of started. Uh, pre-proing stuff uh, all on our own computers and stuff like that like writing it out tabbing it out and stuff and then I would go and uh, pop over to Hoboken it's just so funny like we I'd pop over to Hoboken and go to Collins and we'd sit there like spaced apart and masked and stuff like that and we would just be like you know sending stuff back and forth like kind of just laying out some skeletons of some songs and you know we we're like these might be tape songs but we'll see and then obviously you know like and this is, yeah, August of 2020, we started doing it. And it was just kind of like a, you know, like a project because we were all like either not working or barely working because, you know, mm. what everything was. And, um, you know, we needed something to do. And then it kind of started to ramp up a bit. You know, we had like four or five songs put together and we were like, OK, like, I think we could figure this out and do it. So um, we started putting the pieces together. Um, I reached out to uh, a couple of my friends and other bands. Uh, Chris from Currents was one. Um, and we we're kind of like poking around and seeing, you know, if we self recorded this, who could we send it to to mix? And, you know, we went through a couple different options or whatnot, kind of put like a budget together. And we were like, yeah, let's just either do it song by song or we'll do an EP or a full length and we'll just kind of play it by ear. Let's just drop music. So um, got linked up with this guy, Jeff Dune, who's absolutely amazing. He uh, kind of like also uh talked us through how to set everything up and record from home so jeff doing little he works for drew folk um and he does i mean they do ice nine kills fit for a king wage war chelsea grin um a million things and he's he's great and he was like so helpful for us uh because like you know we'd never you know we'd never like self-recorded things at home or anything like that so we'd be like you know what what should we use what di's and stuff like that so he was really helpful um but then yeah so we kind of rolled and then we did the song and then we got uh, nothing feels sound and uh we did that and then we were like uh you know let's do a video like let's do it right like it's been 10 years like we should at least come back and show us you know and like stuff like Bro. that uh, so, uh, I reached out to Ben Lieber who I've known, um, for years now. Uh, he used to play in a band called head North and then I've just watched him just completely ascend in the, uh, video and the creative, uh, 
space, really. That dude is uh, amazing at what he does. So, yeah, we did the video with him, and he had never done any metal stuff before or heavy stuff before or anything. So we are like, this is perfect. Let's, let's get somebody a little bit out of the realm and not do – you know, a typical because all the video ideas we threw together, right, were all the typical like metalcore, like meat, like ideas. Oh, what, like warehouse or dark. Or to be in the woods yeah, or we're something. Like, we, we're like, we can't do that. Like we're all old now. We're like late twenties. Like we're going to be thirty next month. We're like, yeah, we just got to do something that's just straight up. So I can't believe I manifested yeah, that. No, yeah, I didn't do that, I, but. <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think you actually did. But then, yeah, we put that out, and there's um. There's a couple more songs up the pipeline that'll be dropping periodically through uh, the next year, but uh, we're just taking our time with it. We all have like full time lives outside of it, and you know, like not being on a label, no manager, no like nothing like that. We can we have full control and can do really whatever we want, and it's uh, it's awesome. Dude, seriously, because like I remember listening to Great uh, Faith in Fools. Oh my god, I just graduated fucking high school. Um, because Deliverance was like the song that always like caught everybody's attention. I think that's like kind of what blew the band up in a way with the music video and everything. Yeah. Um, because that was the the band was on Rise Records in a sense. So I mean, I guess you didn't have to worry about that like at all. Like, did they did was the contract already like pretty much summed up when you were done with that album like well how did that how did you become how did you get off the label in a sense like so what happened was is when the band broke up we kind of the members kind of left in pieces right so jesse the guitar player was the first to leave and then our other guitar player cam left and we were kind of bootstrapping it together with fill-ins and then um me and colin left uh may of 2012 ish and then um it was just tony uh at that time as well and then I, I believe he did one more kind of final tour with the band and then um so yeah so we were on rise but we were also on velocity records which was an imprint that was That's owned right. by dave shapiro um and uh so yeah i think it was kind of one of those mutual things that it was like hey listen you know like four of the five left i don't think we're gonna do another record or anything like that so they actually released the band from the label or labels or whatnot um but still keeping like great contact with you know uh sean at rise and then obviously jumping right into like moss the flames like the next month after that you know it was kind of just like an easy transition uh continuing on in the rise records world but um yeah, so they kind of, like, let us, you know, like, do whatever we wanted to do and stuff like that. And I think at the same time, though, if you're a label, if you know a band's probably not going to tour and they're not going to, you know, do much, they're just kind of releasing it on their, like, you know, just for fun to say, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that they're, like, you know, kind of just, like, gave us, you know, their blessing in a way and just said, do your thing, so. Yeah, but plus you hopped right into, like, Balls of Flames for, like, four to five albums. So it was, like, essentially, like, you just, like, picked up your bags. Like, oh, I'm just going to go fucking chill here. Go on web tour for a couple of years. Do some Brian Starr's interviews. You know, yeah. fucking try to do everything you can. Dude, your hair was so long in that interview. I was like, uh, my God, dude. I was like, I forgot this kid was even around at that time. Like, oh, I don't know how he got all the big bands. I struggle getting, like, the bigger artists. I, and, like, I'm not saying... Wow, I'm not gonna talk shit on the guy, but I wasn't the biggest fan of him. But it's like he was getting all these big artists, and I'm like, fuck, I'm trying really hard to get these fucking big yeah. artists. He's talking to everybody, and like, oh man, but you guys were killing it then. And then you did that for, I mean, just recently you disbanded from like Moss of Flames. So now I guess the air I breathe, and you're promoting in a sense for the one company. Um, that is that is that who you're promoting for on your Instagram, Concert Crave? Is that who you're? Yeah, so. 
working Concert with? Tape, yeah, and then uh, my main uh, job right now is that I work on the uh, label and artist relations team at a digital distro called Vidia. So okay. that's actually a New Jersey-based uh, distro, worldwide distro platform. I saw that. It's like distro, yeah. right? It's like a third-party, you know, distribution yeah. thing. It's uh, it's honestly incredible, and obviously, you know, in the space, kind of going back to the whole, uh, you know, like with the pandemic and stuff like that. Uh, you know, once touring got pulled out, I think every band was like, "Whoa, how do we make money?" I have 40 million streams or 10 million streams on Spotify <laughs> and I have no money. Like what's going, you know, or whatnot. So I, I think that um, the streaming world and obviously the digital world really started to explode. And uh, a buddy of mine at Universal, because uh, I was working when I left like Moss in the beginning of 2019, I started working over at APA, uh, Agency for Performing Arts, um, underneath the great Andrew Buck. Uh, booking tours, uh, you know, uh, with a bunch of like rock, awesome rock bands, Judas Priest, Skillet and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, obviously through the pandemic, obviously ended my time there, uh, September, uh, 2020. And then, yeah, Bunny Money Universal was like, Hey man, you should check out this, you know, this awesome distro that's actually based in New Jersey. And I was like, wow. And I ended up applying and, you know, having a conversation, a couple of interviews and been there since March. And it's been, uh, it's been amazing to see that side of it. Like, you know, working with labels and stuff like that, handling all of like, uh, you know, everything they do on the digital end, all of their releases going to Spotify and Apple, everything, YouTube, you know, and then obviously the TikTok boom as well, dealing with oh. that, dealing with a lot of artists in that space as well. So that's been something that's great. But, you know, at the same time, though, that's why. My passion has always been some form of like live music or, you know, keeping that as well. So that's why I like still doing the shows and stuff like that in New Jersey, um, just making sure that, you know, I'm still scratching that itch. And also all of that kind of works in itself together, right? Like I'm seeing bands that I've toured with forever and managers and agents that come to the shows and I'm working with them in that way. I'm working with them on the distribution side. I'm working with them, you know, in all different you know, aspects of it. So that's something like I, I want to make sure that I'm still always like in the loop, so to speak, on everything that's going on. Dude, I totally feel you on that. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's tough because everything's changed. I mean, like three years ago, you needed a record label to do everything. Now you need like a viral TikTok and you can be on the Grammys. So it's like it's a crazy uh, it's a crazy cultural shift and everything like that. And I'm just trying to uh, keep up with it. And that's why uh, I really do love where I'm at right now with working over at video on the, you know, the digital distro end. Cause I just learn so much every day and like of how things are moving and how things are changing and stuff, uh, you know, within the industry. So dude, seriously. And I've known you for about, I want to say mm, four, almost five years, you know, going into 2022. Cause I met you as a promoter at game changer world in yeah, New Jersey yeah. and how, and that's when you were promoting. And you know, I got, you know, that's when we shook hands and started selling tickets and stuff. And uh, you've obviously been doing it longer before that. So you were, it seemed like you had like a really good schedule of like having your touring band with like Moths and Flames on top of like being at home when you're not on the road and still promoting and still booking shows and stuff. Like, yeah, so I, I was doing both, right? So we played like Moths the Flames played Skate and Surf in 2014, I want to say. And then I met the owner of Skate and Surf who also owned that venue. And, um, 
like Moss is from Columbus and he didn't realize um, that I was from Jersey or whatnot. And, you know, like, Hey, I have this, you know, venue and freehold. He was like, feel free to come, you know, book it or whatever. Let me know after your tour. So I booked that room from 2014 to 2017 and I was doing it on and off the road. So I would still touring probably seven, eight months out of the year. But, you know, every day I would still be like on my laptop, you know, booking shows, promoting shows, doing the marketing. And then we had a really good team. Um, that was back home at the venue that would like run the shows and stuff like that as well. And, uh, that was a really great opportunity because that's where I met agents. That's when I learned a lot as well and learned how to put things together. And then when I was off tour and I was home, you know, I would see all the friends that were coming through playing shows and meeting new bands and meeting new tour managers and, you know, reintroducing myself to the local scene. Cause I feel like there was definitely a span for maybe like 2010 and maybe 2014 that I was like mm-hmm. totally out of it. Like I was totally in the tour, like and then now I could kind of retouch back in on the Jersey music scene and see where it had progressed in those four years. And, um, yeah, it was cool. I really enjoyed it. And that's why I liked it. So I could go off and tour and then come back and immediately be doing shows again, physically being there, not just like booking them from my laptop from wherever we were, you know, around the world or whatever. But, you know, it was nice to be able to have both those things for sure. So essentially when you started booking shows, like were you doing the DIY venues in a sense? So the first shows, I used to book shows in like high school for the air I breathe. And we would play like Flemington, Elks Lodge and American Legion. And <laughs> no, exactly what I would, it is. Like, I would ask, I would like either uh, take my shop right money that I was making working there and I'd pay rent or I'd convince my mom to give me, to front me like 300 bucks for the deposit for the VFW. And then the scene was popping back then. The local scene was popping. So we would do like three, 400 people for a show. And then like, <laughs> I would walk back to my mom and have like four or five grand and like just cash like in my hands and be like, hey, this or what, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. I like, I don't, you know, I don't have a bank account. Like, you know, I can't, I can't drive on my own yet legally you know, or whatever. So that's awesome. Different, but I always loved it, you know? And then that was a, the big thing about tape too, is that like, uh, you know, we'd go and we'd play these shows. We'd go play, you know, legendary croc rock in Allentown. Cause that was kind of where we were in Flemington, Hunterdon County, like Allentown was an hour away. So that's where we could convince a lot of people to go. And we'd go, and we'd sell a hundred tickets to play with a mirror. And, um, or a lot of the times, you know, we'd sell some and then, like the show would go on or whatever and there'd be a huge line of people down the block, you know, waiting to get in and we would go and just take our consignment tickets, our physical tickets and just sell 70 of them down the line. And then we'd sure. the promoter and be like, Hey, we sold everything, you know, and he'd be like, hell yeah, you know, and be stoked. But you know, we hustled, we would, we were playing school of rock a lot in South Hackensack, which was like a, an amazing venue. And, um, you know, we'd travel pretty much wherever we'd hustle and we'd sell tickets and stuff like that for literally anything. But we realized we're like to get in front of those crowds and play in front of a thousand people who have no idea who you are and you shouldn't even be there. Like you have to hustle. You got to bust your ass. And that really did uh, that help us helped us. And it taught us a lot of how to play in front of those crowds, how to deal with it. And that way, when we went on tour and stuff like that and started when we had to play important shows, we knew what we were doing and we knew how to like carry ourselves. So it was yeah, awesome. Dude, that is awesome. So essentially, like, what were if if someone listening or watching like wants to book shows, I've met like plenty of like DIY promoters and such. Um, what would you suggest for tips and and tricks to like kind of like get these bands out there now? Since it's probably a lot different since when you first started off, and say they're starting off right now in the new age of 2021, 2022. Like, what do you think would be good for tips and any kind of like mentoring knowledge that you've learned over the years from 
uh, people you've worked with to like get these shows booked full? Um, in hindsight, things that I wish I did differently would be uh, start small, mm. um, get comfortable with it. So like you don't want to book like, oh, I see these nine awesome hardcore bands. Let me go put them in a Bobby's Coffee Cafe that's like a 25, you know, a small little thing. And let me just ruin this. You know, like it's like start small, start with local acts, start with very low risk, you know, uh, shows or whatnot. Because what you want to do is you want to build up the relationship with one, the venues that you're doing it with and two, you know, the artists and bands that you're working with. Because you don't want to be the sketchy guy. You don't want to be the person that shows up and they have no idea what's going on. You know, come prepared. You know, come ready to go. And it also doesn't hurt if you, you know, you can, before you do this, if you can reach out to people you know or venues you know that have run shows before and just talk to them a little bit, you know, like that's always a big thing as well. That's why I learned so much, um, you know, in the Game Changer days and even like, you know, coming up and like I was saying, selling tickets and stuff like that, you kind of learn and navigate what it means to do certain things at certain shows. And uh, there's a lot of trial and error. And, uh, you know, you got to get you got to be prepared for the worst and you hope for the best and stuff. But in this climate we're in, things change every single day. So it's like, you know, like I said, start small and uh, definitely be prepared. Have your shit together. Like, you know, even if it's something is like, hey, uh, let's coordinate for this show or let's make sure I have a unison load-in time that the venue also knows about and a unison door time that's reflected on the flyer and a ticket price and, you know um, – you know, just the small things and people think those are boring. They want to book the coolest band ever, you know, or whatever. It's like you got to start small and figure out your processes and how you're doing things. I feel like that's really something I wish I did. I definitely just kind of threw myself into the deep end with a cement brick, you know, tied around me when I started because it was like, you know, I'd book tape Texas in July shows and there'd be like all these fights and moshing. I didn't have security. I didn't know what that meant. Right, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with all these big old fucking brutal oh, men hitting each other? You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully I'm out of like, you know, the statute of limitations on this, but yeah, there's so many mosh incidents and stuff like that that happen when you're 16, you're at an American Legion. Like, you know, I didn't even think about that. I was 16. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I'd say, you know, definitely be prepared and definitely, uh, yeah, come correct when you're going to do something like that. Don't be half like one foot in one foot out. Definitely be, uh, be ready to go for sure. Well, thank God you have security now for the venue you work for, especially when you book Warner Shore and their new <laughs> album's a fucking pop. You're like, don't have to worry about that anymore because that whole album, that song that made them go viral, dude, holy shit. Like, I'd say sure that was sold out. No, that heart- wasn't sold out. Was it? No, that was very sold out. I was yeah, going to say, yeah. Six weeks in advance. I think the hardest part about um, shows like that is just convincing the security not to mosh themselves you know mm. especially when a band like Lorna Shore or Knock Loose comes through a lot of those dudes you know the security dudes they're fans too you know yeah. so they see and uh you know I have a great relationship with a lot of the uh people over at house and they the same kind of security that does same company that does like Starland and Lanes and uh bunch of the other rooms and stuff like that and that's another important thing you know another thing going back to shows make sure you have great relationships and you take the time to talk to everybody at the venue bar staff venue staff sound people stage people and security too because that's how you get the feel of the room right feel of what's going on uh what shows are working what things you know work well or not um you know who's doing what what's going on but uh yeah i i, I love the staff over there and i love to go in and they're like oh i saw you book this man i love that i can't believe i have to work security for it you know like i want to just you know go out at the show and it's like 
pick a song, pick a song and do your thing and then put the, uh you know put the polo back on after that but uh <laughs> no it's definitely uh definitely definitely make sure all my ducks are in a row for sure if you're going to do anything heavy especially in new jersey because new jersey's different than anywhere else on the planet so also i think just at, at imo i mean like also go out to, out to other shows and hang out with people because i saw you at the pure noise records tour and i was like what are you doing here and you're like i'm just chilling like yeah probably hanging with friends yeah that- you know what i mean because like the tour manager um and sound guy for state champs is this dude matt who i met who he was touring with fit for a king when we did a tour with like for today and straight from the path uh plotting you and then fit for a king opened the tour this must have been 2014 i want to say and he was out just as like a like a homie a friend like help drive like very like just kind of like you know doing whatever and um you know, he just built his all the way up. He tour manages uh, Bad Omens, and then he does State Champs, and he does a million other things. But, uh, you know, just like any other, you watch, like, your friends and fans grow and stuff like that. Throughout the years of touring, I love seeing guys that were – or girls, especially girls, especially in this day and age as well, like, really starting to ascend into, you know, like, these huge positions of, like, being tour managers for these massive bands or these massive artists and stuff like that as well. And then, like, taking over a lot of positions and stuff like that. I think it's awesome. Like, even, um, you know, Matt Vaster, who was a merch guy and a tour manager for, like, Moss for a couple of years. He did Amity Affliction. He did Beartooth. And now he works with Greta Van Fleet. And it's like, oh, so, my God, you know, dude. That's, that's the same. Just like a, it's a work ethic thing, you know. So it's that's also I love to see. Uh, I love to see the crew people do well, too. Dude, that's what I'm saying. That's like when uh, when we were on Warped in 17, Lauren, she was working for Skull Candy at the time. She was like basically um, ho- like she was basically taking care of the whole tent. It was the sponsorship that we had and such. But like now she's a TM, assistant TM for Billie Eilish. Like, what the fuck, dude? I was like, I love seeing my friends thrive like that, dude. Like, yeah. It's like the best feeling in the world because it's like, oh, I just I want to keep going. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think it's amazing, too, because I feel like even when I started touring, even like the metal stuff, it, you know, it was always just kind of like the same couple people. And then I feel like through the years and doing warp tour and stuff like that, there's really been a rise of a lot of different people that are coming in and taking these higher positions because it's like, just because you know this or you know these people and stuff like that, it doesn't make you a good tour manager. It doesn't make you a reliable person or anything like that. So I feel like a lot of these kind of like phonies and fake people, you know, started to get weeded out. And it's really like, you know, your actions and, you know, your words as well and how you, you know, associate. Because it's not only just doing your job, right? At the end of the day, you're coming back and you also have to live with seven to 12 potentially strangers every night. And you have yeah, no idea bro. what they are. You know, you're there to do a job or whatever. And obviously, you hope that they're respectful and nice and kind and stuff like that. But I mean, we've all heard the stories of certain bands acting certain ways or certain crew members acting certain ways and stuff like that. Like, it's a tough it's a full-time job, like literally full around the clock time job being a, you know, a touring, you know, crew member or something like that. So, you know, yeah, well it's fucked up because they take advantage of it. Cause like, I mean, I, I guess I see it in some bands where honestly, dude, like it's great when the community comes together and they call them out for it and kicks them off, like whatever. I'm not going to like say names cause like they're not existing anymore, which they, I'm glad they're not non-existent, but you can tell like what their actions were doing behind closed doors. And when it's brought to light, it's like, Dude, please get out of the scene. Like, we're all trying to have a good time here. Like, we just want the best for, like, what we love to do. Like, for the love of God. Like, we get it. You're super talented. But do us a favor. Get the fuck out. Like, yeah. No. Absolutely. absolutely. Especially, especially, like, nowadays and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it even goes further than that. I think it's even there's people that, you know, just, like, treat people like shit. And it might not even be, like, it might just, like, be, like, stupid shit or even, like, 
you know, ego tripping over stuff and, you know, whatever, whatever. And we've, I've been in instances, obviously, you know, being in bands touring, never, you know, like always being like the head honcho of anything like that. But a lot of times, you know, there's like crew members of these other bands that get like, like the bigger bands, right. That get treated like shit. And then it's like, yo, like I, I'm like watching this happen being like, you know, like one of the opening bands or whatever, like kind of like watching these things happen. It's not like direct put downs and stuff like that, but like just some people like, some people think they're like hot shit and they'll treat their yeah. person, go get me there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, we've always been like, you know, come hang out. Hey, when you're done, come hang out with us. Like, let's just chill. Like, it seems like people around you can't just like talk to you like a normal human. Like, how about you come hang out with us for a couple hours and we can shoot the shit and, you know, talk about whatever. And like, yo, anytime you need to just a break, you know, come over to our van, come over to this, come into the green room, hang out, you know, like take your mind off things. So always trying to be like conscious of that as well, because it's, you know, it's a massive mental health game too, being in the touring field. So that's some serious shit, you know, like, you know, eight months out of the year, nine months out of the year. And like, you know, you're going and going and going for six weeks and all of a sudden you get dropped back into reality. And what is reality? You know, you're back at home. Like, do you have a job? Do you not? You know, what's going on? You know, blah, blah, blah. So definitely a big thing there that I'm glad more people are speaking about and, uh, you know, taking seriously and like, you know, I think that's, uh, it's important. I'm glad that it's happening now, at least mm -hmm. compared to where, or, you know, 10 years ago. That's also what I want fans to take into consideration too, because like I haven't really toured at a long period of time. The most what I did was like 11 days. And it's like some of these artists, when you do it for like two, three months where you've done it, like mental health is a huge priority. And it's like, sometimes these dudes are exhausted. Like yeah. whoever they are, like musician wise, like sometimes they're not in the best mood and that should be okay. Like they can't coddle to like what you personally want with the artist and stuff. Like say, if you see them on the side of the streets, like, Hey, how's it going? Like, I, dude, it's, it's a lot, man. Like, especially if you're going on a long run, like, I mean, what's the longest you've ever done? Was probably like four months straight, two months straight, three months. It's tough. So when I first joined like Moss, um, since I was the only person not in Columbus, I think I went out about a week ahead of time. We went into a uh, Scream It Like You Mean It tour, uh, Attack Attack, and we came as Romans. Uh, so way back, yeah. And that in itself was probably about six to seven weeks. And then at the time, uh, we were doing Australia right after. So I went back to Columbus with the band. I was there for about a week, and then we flew out. We did about three weeks in Australia. Dude. Then came back, and then a week and a half after that, we started the AP tour with Miss May I and Ghost Inside and stuff. Um, maybe there was a little bit more space there, but it was like a, it was like a, a three in a row or pretty much three in a row. And, um, that was a lot, but also like kind of like as a touring wise as well. Um, we did do, I, I'm spacing on the year, but we did, um, we did one tour in the States with story of the year. And then that was about six weeks and we immediately, we actually had to drop the last two days of the tour to fly to Europe and do a parkway drive tour. And they did like European warp tour. So it was like five dates of European warp tour. And then during the week you would tour um, like throughout mainland Europe or whatever, whoever tour you're on. Um, so yeah, it was Parkway Drive. We came as Romans, Memphis Mayfire, like Moss. The three of us underneath were all in a bus together. So it was literally like six weeks in America and then immediately fly over to Europe. Then you do six weeks in November to December of Europe, which obviously the shows were amazing. I was huge over there. Oh, 100%. But at the same time, though, like, you know, you're getting out of the bus and pulling and it's like 3 p.m. and it's pitch black and you're just like, 
I don't know what to do with myself. You know, like, like you're loaded in or you play, but you're in the middle of nothing and fucking the middle of nowhere. And you're just like, man, and that's, and you don't have cell service. Like you can't really talk unless you're somehow finding Wi-Fi or somehow doing anything like that. So it's, it gets tough and it's, you know, it gets long and gets tough. And a lot of people don't really think that, you know, cause you know, you go up and you play your 30 minute set, but the other 23 and a half hours a day, it's like, what are you doing? You know? So it's tough, but, um, you know, at the same time, they're really grateful for all those opportunities, you know, and like playing yeah, sure. all those like massive shows and learning a lot of things. But yeah, definitely just like the mental health standpoint, but that's why you got to make sure you align yourself and have a good group of guys in the band and stuff like that. And making sure that everybody, you know, around you is all on the same page and you knows you're all giving takes and stuff like that. Because if you have trouble in the home camp, it's definitely tough to continue to go out and, you know, portray that everything is going well and stay sane for the most part dude seriously and you guys went through a lot considering that was kind of like the introduction on and like a half and half peak of metalcore was like the 2013 and up like aa yeah. we can we car uh oh sleeper lake moths miss may i uh, bring me the horizon i keep going on dude parkway but like that was there was a lot like i remember like being at warp tour 2013 and like i want to say like 70 percent of the bill was metalcore i was like holy shit like this is insane like, this is yeah. like movement so you guys yeah, are definitely was, busy that was an experience in itself doing uh yeah the u.s warp tour that year as well that was the first time any of us ever done it uh, there I breathe. We we uh, did uh, the Ernie Ball stage one year. We won some online competition, but that was the first year like Moss. We really did it, and knew the uh, second album came out, and it was uh, it was amazing, you know. And there was a lot of bands on our stage and around that it was like some of the sickest bands and a lot of things I took for granted. The fact that the Chariot was on our stage, oh, um, you know, I felt like I watched them a Dallas. lot. Like. Like Chariot, it, it was just like, it was like Murderer's Row. Like it would be like Chariot and then Architects and then Black Dahlia Murder and then Let Live and Silverstein. And it was just like every, like you'd go and you'd look at the lineup and you'd be like for the next four hours, it's all just like absolute killers down the line. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was cool. And then obviously, you know, like Bring Me just dropped Sempaternal like two months yeah. before that tour. So like literally on fire and they just have not, not been on fire since then. So um yeah that was a really that was a really fun summer for sure oh i can only imagine yeah bring me the horizon dude i mean like they, they're a perfect band that evolved over time but like i remember that album dropping it was like that was also like the one album that kind of also helped the movement of the genre in itself because it was just like so fucking good and yeah oh my they, god dude i miss those days <laughs> i played i think i played the ernie ball stage in 13 it had to have been 13 because i was in the metalcore band too we were all right dude <laughs> my, my my band i, I love those bandmates but there is one particular member i was like i'm gonna fucking get in trouble if i hang around this dude because he sucks <laughs> like i can't fucking be around this shit like going back so to what we were saying like the ego fucking i was like dude i can't handle you like no there's always one man yeah that's for sure yeah you can guess what fucking instrument he played <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could definitely guess or lack thereof oh uh, sure. jesus christ um going back though so like you know, you're doing all this at the same time. So now mostly you have the uh, promoting booking gigs and such like in New Jersey with House of Independence and stuff. And uh, the Air I Breathe is coming out with new stuff. So so you just recently walked away from like moths or like what happened? Like, is that just something you decided that you didn't want to have time for anymore or? 
Yeah, so that was 2000, January-ish, 2019, I want to say. So yeah, it wasn't anything, um, you know, too grim or anything like that as well. It was just, it was just kind of one of those things. It was like, you know, like with Tave, like we started touring, in, you know, 2010, you know, pretty, pretty hard, and you know, and not to a lot of people at first before we got signed. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was like a, you know, a long period of my time in my life, you know, that it's like, you know, you only have a couple months of the year that you're at home experiencing a lot of things. And I think one of the main things too, is that like, once I started promoting and working on like while I was still touring, but like really kind of diving into the other, other side of the industry that really, you know, really caught my attention. I really loved that. And almost kind of like reignited, like, you know, being in high school, booking shows and stuff like hustling for things and like blah, blah, blah and stuff like that. And I did love touring and stuff, but it kind of got to a point for me that I was just uh, a little bit done with the road. We had just been like a really long, extensive headliner off of like a really long album cycle from Dark Divine. And uh, I just felt like super burnt out and kind of through the whole tour, um, you know, because I was also tour managing like Moss at the time. Uh, Everybody in the band kind of like. Yeah, we didn't really have that much crew um, at the time. You know, we had Johnny, our photographer, and then um, Alex was like our doer of everything else. He did like lights, he did merch, he helped with pretty much everything in between, all the stage duties. Um, So it was basically like the five of us and the two of them. And, you know, we all kind of picked up, you know, our own responsibilities and whatnot. Like Chris does. I mean, he did 100% of all the merch designs and everything like Moss has put out probably over the last no six way. months. Probably still does. That's yeah, incredible. He, yeah, he does like really – so that's the work in, in itself that I've never even – like I've never even like gone into that world of any type of graphic design. So he does – like everybody kind of has their own thing that they did within the band. But yeah, I think it was just kind of like a little bit of like an accumulation of things and kind of just like building to like a general burnout. And I was like, hey, I really – you know. I love, you know, I love touring. I love everything I've done with it, but I think I really want to make a push to hop to the other side of the music industry, still stay in it with everything else going on, still, you know, still be friendly to everyone, you know, figure out a way to still somewhat play music, but I think kind of put down like, you know, the touring side of it and really dive into it and kind of expand my knowledge on things, my work on things and just hop into some new opportunities. Like I wish I had a cool story of like, you know, any of us getting in a fight or anything like that or whatnot. But um, I actually just saw them at um, – they came through. They played Electric Factory on the August Burns Red Tour, and it was the first day of the tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because I was texting uh, Fish, Zach, the guitar player, yeah. and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be out, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, dude, we can't hang out. We can't go to restaurants. We can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And this was like – I think this month mid September. I'm like, dude, it's like, man, I just want to see, uh, you know, like Moss live. And obviously, Fit for a King was on that tour. We toured yeah. with them a billion times. And Era, you know, I've done them a million times. And ABR, we did a tour with them in Australia with Northlane. So it was like really cool package. And it was just cool to like watch like Moss with me not in it and like see what those songs sounded like mm, live and stuff. So yeah, now you're cool. the fan. You know what I mean? Like you're it stepping in those shoes. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the guy that had playing drums for them was like, uh, you know, a million times better than I was. So oh, it was like really, dude, like they were stop. they were uh, they were really good though. They were really they were really good. And it was like first day of tour, and like that's the whole thing. Like 
I had all like the dialogue in my head, right? Like first day of tour, like blah, blah, blah. It's this, it's all, you haven't been on stage in like a year and a half. I'm like, oh, like they're probably all thinking they're going to come out rusty and everything. But no, they came out hard and it was a really, uh, really impressive set because opening tours like that is one of the hardest things to do. Mm. A lot of people don't understand that. They're always like, oh, it's cool. You got the opening slot of this massive tour. That's the hardest position to be in for any tour because, you know, you're coming out, you're doing 30 minutes, you're coming out as hopefully the venue has gotten most of these people in. Like hopefully they've given you an hour from doors to when you start. And you're playing to like a completely cold crowd, you know, a completely cold. So it's really tough because even if those people know your band or whatnot, it's like, you know, everyone looks around like, oh, are you moshing? Are you doing this? Are you like jumping when the vocalist tells you to jump? Are you like, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's always this like you come out and it's like first song you got to come out with like this really big attack right and like really just like dive and even if like everybody in the crowd is just standing still like you need to make sure that you're like all right song two's coming up we're gonna hit him with this hit him with this because the main goal of a lot of those tours when you're the opening band and you know most of the time if you're the opening band on a bigger tour majority of the crowd doesn't or maybe hasn't seen you or doesn't really know who you are the main goal is by the end that you've won the crowd over and that you've made that first impression because that to like that's the whole goal. It's not to come out and have everybody scream the opening lyrics of your first song. Maybe they do. That's amazing, but it's really winning the crowd over. It's a tough, it's a tough spot to be in for it's sure. Very but tough. It, yeah, it, especially when you're right. in uncharted waters. Like that's why some tour packages, like when they. It's like, why is this band on the bill that this doesn't make sense? Like, let's, uh, like, the Deer Hunter to, to Coheed and Cambria. But then, like, all of a sudden, everybody loves the Deer Hunter now, even though they're vastly different from Coheed. So it's like, but they yeah. put on that show right out the gate, and they're like, hey, we're here to fucking hang out and have a good time. So here's our best. And they, they definitely yeah. have to get the attention of a lot of people. Yeah. And um, one of my favorite bands right now is this band called The Band Camino. Oh, I and, love them, uh, dude. Try Hard oh. was my fucking album. It's like all my Spotify rap is their last two or their new album and then the last album. But yeah, I went and saw the Dangerous Summer uh, in Philly a couple years ago, and uh, the band Camino was the opening band, <laughs> and I and I missed them. It was them, Microwave, and the Dangerous Summer. Oh, that's a fucking AJ, yeah. And AJ, uh, singer of Dangerous Summer, said something on stage because obviously you know like shouting out the opening bands, and he was like, yeah if you miss the band Camino, like the next time you see them will be like, they're probably going to open for Taylor Swift or something like that. Or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, you know, just being nice or whatever. And then like, maybe like two years later, try hard came out. And I was like, this band is insanely good. Like, just, <laughs> so I, think good. Just, I think they just supported like Dan and Shay on a sold out arena tour. And I'm sure that they're only going to just become the biggest band on earth. So and what helped them too, is they opened up for five seconds of summer. So they got like all of those oh, fucking that. teenagers for like, if we want to talk about like, you know, for, um, demographic wise, like dude, holy shit. Like that thrived them for sure. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's a little bit out of my like normal listen zone, but they are just such amazing songwriters, and it's just absolute hook city. So I, uh, I love it, man. They're one of my favorite bands right now. Well, when you see Rory when he comes to house, talk to him about the band Camino because he also is obsessed with them, dude. I think we almost went on a whole segment just talking about that band. <laughs> I had yeah, to clip it up. <laughs> that's another dude. I mean, I know we talked about them a little bit, but um, yeah, Rory and Dayseeker. Um, yeah, Sleep Talk. Like, there's. 
there's like a couple like hooks on that that I'm just like absolutely amazed anyone wrote like any human wrote and then um like it's just so especially for like the genre and stuff like that and the dude's voice is like unique and maybe one of my favorite in the entire scene and then I saw them at that uh the We car show and I was like this dude absolutely does not miss so that show will definitely stop. it's already selling amazingly and I think they're just one of those bands that's just gonna take this massive jump into a different kind of into a different world because you know they tour with you know a lot of these metalcore bands and stuff like that and I think they do well with them but I think that that band's going to ascend in something to something that's you know totally different like i think they're going to be one of those that kind of elevates into like just like a new world so i'm oh, excited yeah, to they watch will that. definitely be a staple within this scene for sure i'm sure like the first thing you did when you saw them was like i gotta like, get them booked now do you like fight to try to book those tours like how do you go about that like who who's making the pitch so most of the time the agents know which promoters are in which market. So like if they want to go into Asbury and they want to go to house, you know, they'll email me and say, Hey, um, send me holds for April 1st through April 15th. Here's the tour. It's day seeker, blah, 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 or whatever, you know, send me an offer or whatever that may be. Okay. Sometimes me seeking it out. If I hear from either like promoter friends, something's going around, but yeah, it's normally, so the agents always send out like a, an email with tour on it. Well, who's it going to be mostly the headliner and then the date range. And then, you know, you send them an offer for what you think it's worth. They come back and tell you it's too low, no matter what it is. And then you fight back and forth Then you get to your number and everything like that, get it confirmed. And then, um, you know, from there on, then like a couple of weeks later, they'll say, Hey, we're going to announce this tour next week get you know the ad mat together localized and everything like that and then boom it announces and everybody posts so um only once in a while do i have to go and like dig for something um you know more so if i want to like specifically go after an artist or if i'm like putting a show together like if it's like uh like a holiday thing or something like that like i'll dig a little bit or if i see a tour get announced that i want and there's like an off date or a couple off dates in the northeast i'll reach out to the agent and say hey let's you know are you planning on doing jersey sometimes they'll be in radius clause or sometimes they're like hey you know we just played it we don't want to hit the market again so soon so a bunch of different factors but um yeah the agent who does day seeker used to book uh or still does book but books like moss he books ice nine he books a lot of those bands so um you know he normally everything we do in Jersey and stuff like that normally would go through me or whatever. So it's kind of like just years of building relationships and stuff like that, which is also kind of the strength of being in the band and then also being a promoter and stuff like that. You know, you can definitely make sure you're meeting a lot of people as you go through life really. That in the cap room in general for Asbury, dude, I think is like probably if not the biggest next to like Stone Pony Summer Stage, I'm sure. Like they, what else could be bigger in Asbury Park that could actually support those 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 feet um yeah so house of independence is 500 the lanes is 725 and then the indoor the the pony is 900 ish and then i think the outdoor i think they pushed to like 2500 i've actually never been to a show at the uh summer stage before it's good uh, it's a good time yeah i've i've definitely wanted to dig in over there about maybe um you know like i'm always in the back of my mind like i always really want to do put together some type of festival right like something that's like very specific whether that being you know summer stage or you know um going straight to the beach with it and doing it like um see here now 
you know, like they're obviously that's a totally different like genre and everything like that. But uh, setting up some type of formula like that to bring something back, because I think Asbury Park is one of the best markets in the country. You know, like it's a really like a hidden gem as far as draw wise and where you are in the scheme of things, you know, and like just general location wise And the city now is, you know, it's a beautiful city. So, uh, yeah, I think so. In the next couple of years, we'll start to formulate something like that on the concert crave and and do uh, do something cool down there. We always talk about it, but it's got to oh, be yeah. the, it's got to be the right time. It's got to be the right thing, and really have it really nailed together well. So no, that's fucking awesome though. And Bamboozle's coming back too in like 2022, so that's interesting. So we'll see how that goes. I've I've only been to Bamboozle once, so yeah, I used to go back in the. Uh, like 2007 or 2008 yeah literally the same time and then yeah and then the air i breathe we played it and uh on the first tour we did the artery young guns tour as a signed band and we got to play bamboozle um the last year it was at giant stadium or whatever and that was like a huge thing for us as a jersey band to like be able to play bamboozle and um it was like amazing you know you play in front of like 10 15,000 people it was an amazing uh it was an amazing time there are some i'm sure there's some videos of that on youtube somewhere so oh, 100%. but uh, yeah that was really that, some deep that, diving. so out of, out, of yeah, everything, that was out of everything that you've spoken to me like passionately about because like this is something that like you have been doing for quite some time um me just being curious so what's 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 the most gratifying thing that you do when you start booking these shows and is it is it is it after before during the show like what 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 like keeps you so upbeat to like pursuing this because it's very passionate of yours i can obviously tell everybody can obviously tell when you're throwing these massive shows lorna shore knock loose day seeker all of that jazz yeah i think it's just like i definitely have some type of like connection with that in this scene and in new jersey and i feel like when i kind of came up in tape like there wasn't really unless we were like throwing the local shows at, you know, some VFW or something like that, there wasn't like a constant place that would get these shows in there. It's like the street cafe and that closed when I was like 15. And there was like main stage and Pompton lakes and then that closed. And like, there's been all these like little pockets, but it was always important to me to make sure that like awesome shows always came through New Jersey and that like, you know, I had a hand in it. And, um, I don't know. I also love seeing bands like, um, you know, like Lorna Shore, for instance, like they've always played like whenever they had headlined Jersey years before that, it would either be at like Champs or a Dingbats or like these small different things. And, you know, it would just be like a random tour date and they would throw it in there and stuff like that. And, you know, I've known Austin, you know, he was in a band called Bandit Bandit when he was probably like 14 and 15. And like there I breathe, used to play shows with them like year, like 2007, you know, we're talking. So I've like, known that dude you know for a while and i mean believe it or not lauren shore is actually like an offspring from the air i breathe uh from like way back and uh so i've always you know we like kind of built the show together and stuff like that and wanted to give them like a real you know new jersey headliner and then when the show went up the tickets just started flying and i was like this is and that's the same day like the single dropped and everything like that and um you know i was like really like that show sold out six weeks in advance and that was a show i thought was gonna like maybe do you know 100 tickets online and we would like push it across you know get some locals on it or something like that and really have to drive it um and it was like a really you know like i was really happy for them you know because that's a band that's you know 
they've gone through a lot. They've dealt with a lot. And, um, you know, I think that what they're doing right now is like super well deserved. And I think that they're another band that's about to ascend into even another fucking world. So I think, uh, I'm really, really pumped for them and I'm going to continue to do it. And I'm sure we're going to do some awesome stuff, uh, for 20 in 2022 together. And, um, probably in probably a bigger room together. So that'll be, uh, that'll be something cool that's that'll come together soon probably soon yeah i wouldn't doubt that because like i can already see it now how smooth because like when we worked with you when we did that one show when we opened up for toy at house like that process was so smooth dude like there was just no issues it was like literally we got on stage played off boom next band on off boom next band on off like and i didn't even have to fucking bring my drum set so shout out to robin for letting me use his whole entire kit i was like you know what dude like we're like 10 minutes overtime. I'll just fucking hop on. Like I yeah. like like I'll change like adjustments to your china that I won't hit and like the hi hat. Like that's yeah. it. So let's get this show rolling. So no, fucking absolutely. that show is killer shit. So Yeah, I'm trying I'm actively trying to find something down in the area uh, a little bit smaller of a venue but something that can do, you know, more frequent local shows to build up the local scene a little bit more because there's a lot of great talent across all genres in the area, New Jersey, tri-state area and stuff like that, that I think, you know, we need a little bit of a home. Like, you know, the brewery in Asbury Park would do shows, but I know that they closed and moved locations. And then, um, you know, there's a couple others, but I'd love to kind of, so like, you know, that's another project of mine for the next year or two. I'm going to try to find some type of room or, you know, do something. Uh, there was a great spot in New Brunswick called Chamber 43 that started doing a bunch of shows. And then obviously, um, I believe that they closed a little while ago and, I think they might be building a new location now. I'm not sure if they are. Um, And then um, there's another great spot, the Flemington DIY, um, that's actually starting to build out a new spot as well. So, um, yeah, definitely working on a lot and uh, trying to support a lot of these, uh, you know, any of the DIY venues or venues going on. I'm trying to give everybody shows and everybody stuff or even just consult, you know, if they need me to just, if they're asking questions about things, I try to be as involved as I can. Dude, you're definitely extremely transparent and there's definitely no doubt that about that whatsoever but you're right though because like it was hard for us for the local scene especially we had this place called the clubhouse for a hot minute and like that got went that went under because of that's covid jimmy, too. Jimmy that's jimmy mirrors yeah yeah he's not doing it anymore yeah. dude he can't mm. he lost the is it still like a room or is it like uh like is it still a venue or the whole place just closed he just lost the venue i think he like did not renew the lease or whatever like he just lost the venue like and he, and he said it was so exhausting and tiresome that like it was just not worth it anymore i was like totally yeah. feel you do because he was doing having a boathouse and it was like free because i think his parents were you know again diy uh yeah. you just walk in for free or whatever and yeah so yeah we i think the local kids are i mean red bank has the brewing does it um I've been trying to get my ears and eyes into like the local scene and because I'm a local fucking kid, you know, in Jersey technically. So um, definitely trying to find those venues. I don't really see much of them around as much as I used to, but they got to be out there. Somewhere. I just might make one. Might just come <laughs> to the point that it's like just make something like I like, you know, like I'd love to do some type of like bar venue combo, but something that's a little bit smaller but that can also survive on itself if there isn't a show right so like if it's just a thursday night and we want to do like a you know a theme night or something like that or people just want to come in and chill or you know find a place you know in that general area of bands or you know uh you know playing a show and they want to come hang out after anything like that or beforehand or do little intimate cool things like i feel like that'd be something you know 
I'd interested in. And that'll be a project for me in the next year or two years. That'll be something I'll definitely, I'll definitely knock out. Cause I want to continue to just, yeah, build the culture and build the community down here. And, uh, yeah. Fuck yeah, know. absolutely. If you ever want some extra hands, let me know. <laughs> I love this shit. Dude. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I put my stupid face on TikTok. Um, <laughs> which has worked wonders, dude. You'd be surprised. Yeah, man, that TikTok presence you built up is Fucking extremely stupid. impressive. Yeah. Thank you. It's stupid. Fuck I'm still trying to figure it out, but you know, like I'm definitely proud of that. Um I, real quick before we sign off, did you ever hear of Sacred Sacred Grounds out in uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania? Mm-mm. Oh man, that was a DIY venue. This guy George book shows there. He doesn't do it anymore. Um, I think the biggest line of the biggest act that came through was I set the kill. Um, and there was like it was like in a Quaker building of some sort. And there was a graveyard there. Everybody was making out and doing all that shit on the couches and shit. I was like fucking pure teenage angst emo days, dude. Like that's where everybody get smoking cigarettes, gauges, well, uh, you know, fucking piercings everywhere, like. This is so cool. I miss those days. But yeah, dude, I think you're going to be taking over the New Jersey local scene soon as well as, you know, building these massive fucking shows for a uh, house in Asbury, uh, in Asbury Park. Totally I hope so, it. man. Totally yeah, I hope it. so, dude. There's a lot of talent here and, uh, you know, everywhere. And that's, that's kind of like the overall, I guess, passion of mine is just artist development in general. So any way I could be a resource or help people out, man sign me up you know you know you know know as much as the next person does that's for sure but uh i i appreciate you taking the time coming on here uh i again thank you for taking care of us for that show that we had on saturday uh that was a it felt good to be on a big stage like that in front of like a couple hundred people it felt good again uh good sound system you know everything the whole house it's a beautiful aesthetic people love that venue anytime i talk about house on social media or whatever people just like love the venue in itself and they also say like the people that work there are just as great as the venue itself yeah so, but uh, I, again dude like for real like appreciate you doing everything for the scene um i'm stoked for the future with what you're doing i can only imagine the shows that i personally don't know and nobody knows what's going to be booked next at that venue <laughs> or any other venues that you book you know that I mean? is for sure a lot of things to come a lot of things to come <laughs> next year you know and yeah man i appreciate you having me on and appreciate you you know always you and poeta always playing shows and stuff like that and keeping a lot of things alive dude it's uh you know it goes both ways i don't think I, you know it's tough even in the local i remember being a local band i don't know what it would have been like if there was a uh random 18 month hiatus being in a local band if you could all pull it back together you know and have, still have the passion amongst other things to play shows you know and so that's uh awesome you know and i'm glad that you guys are still doing the thing too yeah we'll uh we'll be coming out with an album next year it's done tracked, so the momentum is coming. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna control the marketing on this one. Let's say, let's just say that. There we go. <laughs> so that way we can sell out house. That's the idea. Should yeah. <laughs> be awesome. Yeah. I'm coming for you, TikTok. I'm coming for you. But uh, <laughs> again, I'll, I appreciate you so much.